Right, you're coming to my house and we're going to watch Doctor Who. And I know that negativity is where all the cool cats hang out, but we're going to see if we can accentuate the positive. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, with me, Toby Haydock. We've reached episode three of this story, and we're going to see if we can find Concord, where there's usually Discord. Hi, Toby. My name is John Cooper, and I'm a comedian and illustrator. The story I've chosen is Time Flight. Well, another day... Another night, another Doctor Who commentary. So I hope you've got part three of Time Flight ready. I have. I've got remote. I've moved my Blu-ray player. We're good to go. Press play. Now. <laughs> it's still not much for muchness, is it? Um, well, Welcome. To part three of Time Flight. Uh, it's nice to be back. Uh, I needed to get a kip the other night. Um, uh, I'm very. I, I, I like this title sequence. Now I didn't at the time. Uh, I, I thought it was too literal. I thought it didn't suggest time. It just suggested space. Um, I, I thought the font was too modern. It's still not my favourite. I don't think. I think it's more self-consciously of its time than some of the previous title sequences or maybe they're just older so therefore seem more timeless which might not make sense but I think it does ultimately um I prefer I prefer the sort of time travelly abstracty I love the work of of Bernard Lodge uh but uh, I doff my cap to Sid Sutton it's actually a very beautifully rendered title sequence and I and I do like the Howl theme tune uh it's all. I was having a conversation with somebody today. It's 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 something to do with Doctor Who being part of our childhood. I know some of you will have come to it differently, and I I apologise for that. But I think I think how we found how we find Doctor Who is is, is very important to, to sort of how we appreciate it. I think the reason it it speaks to so many people is because we associate it with our childhood, and if our childhood was a happy place, it's reminiscent of that. If our childhood was slightly more difficult. It was a haven within that. Um, and, and childhood I found quite scary. And now I look back on it and realise that actually it was the it was the safest time. You know, it was a, a, emotionally, you know, you're you're sort of protected from various things. Or certainly practically you, you are. Um, and so I'm nostalgic for a time I actually didn't find particularly easy. Which sounds like a paradox, but it's but it's not. Anyway, the master um who 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 dresses as a baddie <laughs> but it's gorgeous that velvet isn't it but uh, he wasn't going to be a plumber dressed like that um but but I, I you know i remember this being a really exciting development and john john chose it for his his thing i was i was so excited that the master turned up even though i'd found him a very uncomfortable watch in Legopolis because he was that sort of disembodied laugh. I, I didn't like it, and that's, you know, that's that's the point. Um, uh, I, I, they are, they are, they are whiz, aren't they? The uh, apparently there was, uh, wasn't there? A, the, the, I'm referring to the um, Captain Stapley and 
the airline crew. But I, th- I think there was a sort of chaperone. There was a, a British Airways or a Heathrow Airport bunch uh, to ensure that they maintained the standards of, you know, the, the crew. Otherwise, the, 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 the cooperation of, of Heathrow uh, would, uh, you know, would not be as forthcoming um, or, or was dependent upon, you know, them not... Uh, I, I think one of them was supposed to refer to the to the passengers as punters, and that was taken out. Although I can well imagine, you know, you would you would call your, uh, the, the, you know, if you, if you're in a service industry, well, even as a, I mean, comedy clubs we we talk about punters all the time, but that's slightly different. But that's a colloquialism. You'd and you'd probably be a a company would I think now would allow for a bit more of a warts and all uh, depiction. I think I don't know. Um, it's a it's a very different beast from uh, from Earthshock, isn't it? It's like it's a, a different show and a different show from Black Orchid, a different show from Kinder, a different show from The Visitation. I think I rather thought Doctor Who was a bit sort of samey, apart from Earthshock, which stood out at this time. But of course, it wasn't. I mean. A, the, the colour palette is the same. I always think of the Davis Nero as quite beige, which is not not the most not the most dynamic of colours. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I wanted aliens invading Earth and unit blowing things up, and I had people wandering around catacombs and um, you know, they, I think. I I think I was hoping perhaps a dinosaur would turn up in this time period as well. Uh, oh, now Judith Byfield as Angela Clifford. She as gosh, both of these people. Nigel Stock I think was dead within four years of making this. He's sixty-two here, uh, and Judith Byfield, uh, I think was had died by the end of the nineteen eighties. Um, Certainly, very, very young. Do you know where we are? Terribly sad. Um, I, t- I actually had forgotten this scene. This is lovely, where the Doctor and Professor Hater essentially go, "Yeah, this guy's gonna, ex- this guy's gonna explain it to you." Nigel Stock is very good. He was a terribly good actor. Uh, he was anything called OMD. He had his own series wasn't he and, and the great escape i know for, uh, forgive me if i repeat myself from the last episode i did it was two days ago it's a cheek isn't it i have the i have the audacity to sit down with people to watch an episode of doctor who there in 35 years ago go what do you remember of this i actually can't remember what i told you I do what you did the night before last was it i think i did well you don't know i i it was it was i don't think i did it last night i think i did it the night before uh, I'm, I'm currently recording in the time of coronavirus. Uh, I'm sure by the time that this reaches you, that will be long into the distant past and that we will be plague-free and happy to go around jumping on buses, eating out, uh, earning a living and licking strangers' eyeballs. But for now, I'm trapped inside uh, watching and uh, trying to recapture the childhood joy. I, I did I did like all of these characters when I was uh, younger and I, and I, I, I do think Richard Easton is 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 especially good I, I mean they are of a type they are sort of jolly jolly um uh and rich yeah 
I think I, I think I've mentioned the brothers, haven't I? And the fact that it's a program that only exists because Doctor Who fans know of it because everybody from it. That the brothers and the Pallisers, I think, essentially were were the DNA that created the cast lists of John Nathan Turner's early Doctor Who. Uh, just goes to show, be nice. Well, I mean, I would be anyway, but I know a lot of actors who aren't. Be nice to the the, the crew, even the supposed that there's no. I, I, I'm, not using this phrase word because it's one that I would use, but uh, the, you know, the lowlier members of the crew, uh, because one day they'll be the producer and might just give you a job. Um, and I do sometimes fantasize, and, and I have been able to cast things, but you know, you sometimes go, Yeah, he was nice to me, I'll give them a job. They, yeah, they were not so nice, and they're the ones, of course, that the producer wants. <laughs> but yes, poor old Judith Byfield, she does the tannoy voice as well. Uh, in the airport um uh but yeah she she died she can't have been well she would have been younger than me um although i yeah i'm recording this on the day that ian martyr was born and died he he died on his birthday um and he was 42 which is younger than i am now which uh i don't know what it is about me that, that i'm sorry about that. i do I, I do bang on about the dead I think it's, I've mentioned it before in, in commentaries as, as to why, but, uh, you know, I imagine the, the exciting lives these people led and I, uh, uh, and I liked what they did. I liked the fact that they came into my home and transported me to other worlds. And I particularly liked actors who I'd see in one thing being very, very different in another thing. I always thought of that as a great skill. Now it's actually a bit of a drawback as an actor because people like you to be the same. I can do all sorts of accents. Yeah, we we know people who can actually just were born with the accent. So you know, don't don't worry about any of that acting, mate. Um, and of course, Nigel, Nigel Stock I think has a stick-on beard, um, whereas today you'd I think you'd pretty much be expected to. To, to grow a beard or or have a beard but uh, you know it was much more th theatrical you know and we we our eyes were used to theatricality in a in a way this is very much you know almost three walls with the audience looking on um but nigel stock was in the great escape and he did serve in the war i've just written uh, another podcast for my other series indefinable magic uh, about the war records of various Doctor Who actors. And uh, I, I mentioned Stock because he's in The Great Escape, which is one of the finest films ever made, uh, a Christmas regular, which has in it um, William Russell, uh, who has some, some decent bits to do, and Tom Adams from Warriors of the Deep, and Angus Lenny from The Ice Warriors and Terror of the Zygons. It's a wonderful film, uh, The Great Escape. Um, Donald Pleasance's wonderful performance. And, and, and Nigel Stock, I think he actually did hurt himself. There's a bit where he jumps onto the bed, but the planks have been removed by Steve McQueen because he's using the planks to shore up the, 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 the tunnel. Uh, and so he jumps on the bed and the planks aren't there and he, and he, and he falls through the, the bunk. The mattress falls through the bunk. Uh, uh, and I think Stock actually did break his arm or certainly hurt his collarbone or something when, when he did that scene. Uh, which is really painful, but in the end makes for an anecdote. That's all you really want. I like the red lighting there on on, on Keith Drinkle. Uh, and I quite like the fact that Bilton and Scobie, who could have been a bit interchangeable, uh, split up and get to do different bits. Um, 
so that they therefore have their own sort of distinct slice of the action. Um, and I remember very much being on on uh, on Scobie's side because he was wandering around with a moustache. Um, <laughs> I always I always liked a moustache. I don't know why. Uh, I've n never been able to grow a particularly robust one until relatively recently, and now I can actually taste mine. So needs a trim. Um, now that I've, I've never quite understood the the plot of Time Flight, but obviously this is what it 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 centres around. The the Zeraphin who, as I think I said before, don't that that their dominance of the sort of storyline is it isn't matched by their their presence in the story where um uh, you, you know they 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 crop up in a bit to do a bit of chat and that that's all we see of them um so they're much more sort of talked about than seen for uh, a, a, a bunch of creatures after whom the story was originally named Oh, and yes, that's brilliant, isn't it? Because we actually saw them doing it. But that I remember that being really a very claustrophobic idea because there's no there's no door, there's no way to get out. The wall has been put back, and I'm I'm quite claustrophobic. I, I sometimes have nightmares about being locked in places, uh, and I, and I I find that quite creepy. The idea that oh God, we're now in a place and we we can't get out. Uh, Oh yes, and this was this was really big news in the story because, uh, you know, he he sent them off. He sends them off in the TARDIS, and you know that they've got to get back for the for the story to work. But that means that you know that they're going to do something heroic. And I quite like it when guest characters, under their own steam, they're not even with a companion. These two get to sort of take a party, uh, a, a part of the story themselves, and and do something that involves a bit of. A bit of pluck and a bit of invention. I, I I like that. I was always very interested in the in the the new people that came in, um, and and in a way less so about the the main characters because I almost took them for granted, which is probably why I've introduced interviewed as many Vord as I have companions. Um, that's not a figuring. That is a. I I I'm I'm not sure it's wise to to say that the the shrunken corpses look like figurines because. Often that's how they are rendered. Doctor, this looks like an action man. No, no, it's a it's a shrunk corpse. But it looks. Stop saying it looks like an action man, because um, that's that is supposed to be a body, isn't it? That's supposed to be a Zeraphin body. Now, come on, Professor Haiti, you're supposed to be a scientist. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it is. It's a corpse. What a horrible idea. You're holding a dead body, Doctor. Um, not a dapple seraphin uh, or whatever. It looks it looks more like an Oscar, actually. It's 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 the alien Oscars. So yes, I'm I'm not. Oh, it's moving up and down the 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 thing in the middle of the sarcophagus. But as I say, there's a lot of sort of chat. I'm not entirely clear about. Uh, about it that's that yeah that's that's simple isn't it that gives the impression that Bilton and Scobia are, uh no it's it's not helicopter <laughs> what <laughs> and I don't know why they call it TARDIS like they've been watching 60s Doctor Who um and Grimwade was busy wasn't he Peter Grimwade who wrote this directed the previous story Earthshock and as a very very good director um 
with great visual flair. Um, I mean, I I saw interviews with him later where he was quite testy um, about about the renditions of some of the things that he'd imagined. So um, I, I can only imagine how this differed from what he might have felt he would have done with it. Um, but uh, I do feel a bit for Ron Jones because uh, he's, he's saddled with the, you know, the end of season when the money's run out. And this is, but the, oh, of course, this is, yeah, the Seraphine have been nice. Yeah, the, we're, we're going to come and chat, but we will kill your very young friend. Uh, so sorry about that. I think it's a flawed, it's a flawed communication system. Uh, but, but um, uh, it's, it's quite interesting, is it? Because P Professor Hater sacrifices himself, which is quite a brave thing to do. Um, but he, even when he sacrifices himself, he's an ass because he's basically going, no, young lady, I shall save you because I'm an old man, although I'm actually much older than I look because I'm only in my early 60s. Um, but instead what he goes is, oh, I'll, I'll get lots of knowledge. Yeah, but you will die. D doesn't matter. I'll know things. Yeah, it's not a terribly convincing argument. No, but it is one in keeping with my character, a slightly annoying scientist. <laughs> I do like that effect, though. I mean, I know you can do that very fairly easily now, but I remember working a, a work experience. I, I worked at a place that had a video editing machine and you, you could press buttons that, that made it do that. But uh, I still think it's neat. Uh, it does the job and the, the, the sort of black and yellow is quite striking. Uh, and yes, this was great. Oh, yes. Oh, come on, Angela. It's 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 just as trying as a New York stopover. Um, and and it's interesting that's you know there's an actor who knows where the the camera is because he's having to sort of grip her and look her in the eye, but whilst not turning his back on the camera that's on him because it's also got her face. Very good camera technique, Keith Drinkle. Um. And yeah, you know, he, he turns a bit more of himself to camera in Zygon, the spin-off. It's not, but it's not even porn. That's the thing about Zygon. It's not even porn. It's a sort of thriller with 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 a bit of flesh in it. It's it's very uh, um, it's it's a testament to the crazy world of Doctor Who that that it exists. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. She's got very, very 80s hair, isn't it? It's like hair that you can sort of lift off, like Lego hair. Oh, no, no, she's she's succumbing again, Roger. Um, oh, oh, dear. I've never noticed the bubble bath on Professor Hater's skull before. That's quite, uh, that's quite grim. It's, it's good at grim little touches like that, uh, 80s Doctor Who, that just made you feel like they were trying now. Anithon of the Zephyrus of the Zephyrus. I love the sort of cracks that they've got in there. It's a very simple effect, isn't it? It's two actors in sort of leotard one pieces with a bit of with a bit of CSO colouring on them. But the, but that crack suggests you know some sort of entropy uh, affecting the the 
the Xerophin race. Um, and Anathon of the Xerophin, because what, what I quite like is that they're called Anathon and Zarak, aren't they? They're the sort of, and, and Anathon is the good one, and played by Hugh Hayes here, and Zarak is the bad one. Uh, so uh, it's, they run the whole gamut of good to bad from A to Z. So presumably there's one called sort of, I don't know, Martin, who's, who's pretty much straight down the middle. He's neither good nor bad, you know. But, but, but Banatak and Canathon, you know, B and C, they're, they're pretty good. They're not as good as Anathon, but they're, they're quite nice. Whereas Steve and Tim, towards the end of the alphabet, they're rotters. Um, now, Hugh Hayes, I met... Oh, I, I will never forgive myself for this. He was playing Horatio to the Hamlet of Nabil Shaban. And we went to see it and he was a very funny, witty Horatio. I remember a touch now, I don't think I'd let anyone get away with, where he comes in and says, I am here, ear, my lord, and has a, <laughs> has a pretend ear. But it had this sort of joshing, joshing banter that he had with uh, Nabil Shaban's very good Hamlet. And it was a, it was a really good and interesting uh, production. Um... And, and and we hung around afterwards, me and my friends, to get their autographs. But but I hadn't, and I was pretty good with actors' names. But I did, I hadn't. I I think Time Flight wasn't massively on my radar, and I didn't recognise the name Hugh Hayes. But it said Doctor Who in his biog. So we'd got our books for for Nabil Shaban to sign, and uh, and 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 so my friend got Hugh Hayes to sign his book. And I think I just got Hugh Hayes to sign my programme and not my book, whereas I've got guest actors to sign my books loads since. Uh, and as they were going, he sort of looked at me as if to say, do you want me to sign your book? And I sort of did, but it was almost too late, although he was perfectly willing. So it was me that was... It's like, when I do it now. Somebody offers me a cup of tea and I want a cup of tea and they're happy to make a cup of tea. I'll still, for the sake of politeness, go, uh, no, no, thank you. Don't want a cup of tea. So I was going, no, no, no. So I didn't, I didn't take the opportunity that he gave me for him to sign my book uh and uh so i don't have i don't have hugh Hay and he and, and, and he we'd said to him what were you in doc two and he said oh i was i ended up being banished by the master so he worked out who, who they were who he was um and, and he remembered he was called anathon because he signed that on my friend's book where it presumably is still inked and where there was a big empty gap on mine um, it's um, and, and Zarak is is quite mean. He's got a good voice. Andre Winterton, I think he's called. I remember him being in an episode of Howard's Way. But uh, it, it, but it's basically the Doctor and Isratigan are basically watching an alien race have a row with itself. Um, it's it's a it's. It's a sort of curious, curious moment, but 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 the idea is is a sound one of this of this sort of balanced race and the baleful influence that is doing whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, how can he help? What's he supposed to do? Press tag, start doing some wrestling. Right. So yeah, there's a sort of psychic psychic battle that goes on, but. Um, you know, it's a, it's 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 quite a binary idea that though, isn't it? Is that there are good Zeraphin and there are bad Zeraphin, uh, uh, and um, 
I think we would. Well, no, I, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but they they render it very well. The the, the two characterizations are uh, uh, do the do the job. I like the cracks, although in this cleaned up Blu-ray, I can see where the 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 cracks are sort of not stuck on, completely flush. Uh, and this is a this is great because the sar sarcophagus has gone. No walls, and the, and they're trapped. Uh, he's, there's, they're very good at cliffhangers like this in the Davidson era, where they're, they're just like, right, something's happened. We have to get the Doctor to say what it means. At the end of Mordred, I'm dead. It will be the end of me as a Time Lord. I've got no idea why, but I'm going with it because Peter Davison said it, and I believe him. Oh, Nigel Stock gets credited before Anthony Ainley. That is interesting. Probably only to me, um, but because Ainley's sort of considered part of the regular cast, and I know... Peter Wingard is credited before him as well. I think Peter Wingard's credited before everybody in, in Planet of Fire, um, apart from Peter Davison. Um, I hadn't, I had forgotten that Nigel Stock, t Stock trumps Ainley. Um, well, there we go. That was episode three. Oh, and because uh, it, it was the other day when I did this, I need to call up. I don't think I still have John... John in my uh, music so I need to call up John Cooper to see uh, what is his uh, what is his what are his favourite things so before I choose um, play what John has chosen which I've just lined up thanks to a nifty edit. Uh, I'm going to choose the, the 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 idea that they they get trapped inside that sarcophagus and there's no there's no purchase there's no levers there's no door um, and indeed the cliffhanger is that they end up trapped inside there. But I find that that idea that you get you know they take ages trying to get inside a place which is really hard to penetrate. But then once you're in there, if somebody takes out takes away the hole that you use to get in the means of escape. I find that idea very claustrophobic. So that is my favourite thing about episode three. Although, I, you know, I could have gone for, I could have gone for, for you know, the, the pilot's little subplot and all that sort of stuff, but I will go for that. The best thing about episode three is Professor Hater played by Nigel Stock, who is one of several hundred classic professors that knock around in Doctor Who, challenging him and then accepting his way, and then, in this case, well, you, you'll find out what he does to himself. So, well, look, um, we are trapped in lockdown, and we cannot, cannot escape, but unlike the Master, the coronavirus will not finally defeat us. So although we are now at the end of episode three and in a parlous state, I am confident we will all escape. And I hope you'll join me uh, to have a bash at that. I mean, I'm, when I watch Time Flight episode four, that, that doesn't mean I'm going to find a cure for the pandemic at the same time. But I will perhaps uh, help to while away another 25 minutes under its thrall. And I hope you can join me then and there. But in the meantime, stay safe. Good night. Thanks to my guest, John Cooper. John is a terrific comedian who has lately prospered on stage with his alter ego, 
Danny Pensive, a disarming and charming love letter to geekery, a beautifully benign and gentle creation who will particularly appeal to listeners of this kind of podcast. Check him out if you can, and also John's other creative endeavours, which include illustration and cartoonery. I'll leave the final words to him, and wish you all the very best until next time we meet on, or behind the sofa, for another episode of Time and Space's Best Ever TV Show. Uh, you can see me on stage as Danny Pensive, and uh, I have a comic out at the minute called Distance, which is all about the crazy things and dark things that have been happening uh, in the world since March. Uh, it's a strip that I've started. It's going on Kickstarter. You can find out more about it at johncooper.org.uk. Happy times and places. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydock. My special guest was John Cooper. The music for this podcast was specially composed by Dave Gates. My thanks to this episode's featured patrons, Charles Gears, Keith Say, Paul Shields, David Spencer, Sidney Trout, Alistair Wallace, John Williams, Sidney Wilson and Pascal Gilka. And of course, to everybody who has contributed at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. It really is appreciated. Do subscribe to my mailing list at www.tobyhaydock.com and if you don't fancy the Patreon model, you can make a one-off donation at my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But mostly, keep listening, and if you can, review and rate these podcasts wherever you can. Don't forget to subscribe to the official Toby Haydock YouTube channel.